This is a presentation of Dawn Forge Productions. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash Azeroth to choose from over 85,000 of the best audiobooks in the world. That's audibletrial.com slash Azeroth. Group Quest is also sponsored by Doghouse Systems. Visit them at doghousesystems.com to upgrade your gear today, and when you use the code Azeroth at checkout, you get a $25 Jinx gift code. That's doghousesystems.com. Welcome to Group Quest, the new roundtable podcast from all things Azeroth, your World of Warcraft podcast. Join Medros as he gathers a strong group of voices from around the community to tackle the hottest topics of the month. And now, your host, Medros. And welcome back to another very fun and hopefully exciting, thrilling, and perhaps a bit more informative than usual Group Quest podcast. I'm your host, Medros, and with me I have a, a really great group of people. First off, the the first one I want to introduce is a new voice. Uh, we have Ammo. How you doing there, Ammo? Hello, everyone. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I'm glad to have you here. Next, we have Mr. MacGyver. Hi, Dumu. G'day, folks. I'm very well. Thank you very much again for having me on. And and how's Valentine's Day in in your part of the world? Since it's already there, it's already the the sorry, already Monday there. So how how's how's your Valentine's Day going? Valentine's Day currently is a little bit grey. Uh, good day to stay inside with your uh, special someone, but. Uh, if she was feeling a little better, we'd be having a nice dinner tonight. But uh, never mind; these things happen. Indeed, they do. They do sadly happen. We're glad we could have you on the show. And lastly, we have Haster. Howdy, y'all. Howdy. It's it's a pretty decent day. It went from being cold and miserable earlier in the week up to seventy today. So I'm actually enjoying this. Well, let's see. I woke up to plus one and sunny. Had, when had breakfast came out and it was minus one and cloudy, which is usually the other way around because usually when it goes plus of temperatures, it's cloudy, and when it's sunny, it's minus temperatures. But hey, this is Winnipeg, it happens. <laughs> um, winter peg, Winnipeg, <laughs> anyways. Since uh, Hasher feels like he's going to be a, a bit of a, a smart mouth on this, we'll uh. We'll continue on. I was going to ramble for a bit more, but let's see here. We have a fair bit of news, um, but uh, I do want to start off with the um, the interview that was posted. It was actually posted on several different websites um, where Mike Morheim talked a little bit about this game called Titan. Now, the first thing, the first time we ever heard about Titan, this was back in a leaked. Um, uh, timeline that uh, Blizzard planned, uh, where it said that Titan was scheduled for a late, I believe, 2013 release. Um, 
And up until that point, Blizzard really hadn't planned for anybody to know about it. They had hired, been hiring for it. Um, they had moved, I believe, Jeff Kaplan over to it. But they hadn't really said anything about it, hadn't really stated a name for it, or even given any, any ideas of what it was going to be like. Now, um, Mike Morheim, I guess, decided at the DICE Simut uh, to talk a little bit more about it or hint more about Titan. And what, uh, what he said was that he expected Titan to be a new and fresh game, uh, one, that, uh, one that Blizzard would be able to, um, be able to run uh, at the same time as, as WoW. Now, what do you guys think about the fact that Blizzard could run two MMOs at the same time? And do you think they'd both be successful, or do you think that Titan would steal too much away from what Blizzard has done with World of Warcraft? Well, personally, looking at what, what the different reviews and different releases said, all, all they really said was that it was going to be a significant step up in terms of social aspects of the game that we weren't that we were going to spend more time playing with people we know and enjoying that aspect and doing more social stuff than doing their traditional MMO stuff and we still don't know what the what the setting is what a whole bunch of stuff that could determine whether or not this game is going to flop or whether or not it's going to take off faster than wow all right. I think the social aspect, I mean, they, they, this kind of leads into, a bit into what uh, my, Matt McCurley wrote on WoW Insider about the potential social future of the Battle.net system, where he thinks that they're going to really uh, step up Battle.net continually uh, until, you know, a 3.0 or 4.0 version where it is a truly social tool that is much more than it currently is. Now, if they are planning Titan, as it's currently known in the community, to be a very social game like they're talking about, this, this would, I, would, I believe, would lead, lend some credence to this, don't you think? Uh, I think so, but the... I mean, it, we, the social gaming aspect is already fairly well covered with Facebook and Congregate and other social game sites like that. We'd have to see what Blizzard brings to the table in terms of the game to have people come back to the network consistently to play, to go see what, what have your friends been doing while you've been offline. This is the same kind of thing I was thinking of, actually, is that you have established social networks like Facebook, and essentially what Blizzard is going to have to do is try and tempt people away from Facebook onto their own system uh, in order to get people to sort of play their games and, and to play with people, like you said, that they know. Um, I know that at least when I, when I play WoW, um, I actually don't play with people that I know in real life for the most part, except for my wife, really. Um, everybody else that I know, I've actually met through the game rather than the other way around. So... I'm not sure how they're going to build enough momentum to sort of tap into that social aspect of it unless they can get people to sort of sign up based on one of the existing games that they've got in there and they integrate some of those features into them. I had a thought that 
with regards to the Titan um, and World of Warcraft happening simultaneously from a uh, logistics point of view would be quite the undertaking, just given what uh, we kind of go through with uh, patches and expansions and such. But I'm I'm sure that the whole idea of the more social interaction nature of what they're talking about with this Titan um, currently laying groundwork for that sort of thing with uh, the Cataclysm expansion and the guild system and the real ID and what um, WoW Insider had mentioned about uh, Battle.net, certainly. Um, we'd be trying to draw um, a market share from other social networking sites uh, with this idea, um, maybe. But uh, I would say that that probably would be limited uh, to the extent of you know, people that actually would be interested in playing uh, an MMO versus, hey, look at my great new baby pictures. And also on that logistics aspect, they're probably going to have to share a lot of the same customer service people and basic infrastructure people in terms of servers down or they need some someone in game needs something. They're going to share a lot of that capability until they can hire in and train all the people. That's going to just greatly increase the amount of time that you have to wait in order to get a GM ticket through. But Blizzard has has so far kept their development team separate. I would imagine their their GM departments for each, for Titan and WoW will be separate as well, wouldn't they? Well, some of the last GM tickets that I've filed and dealt with the GMs on, it's been very generic almost to the point where they could be reading off of one of three or four different scripts that could be shared between multiple games and don't even seem to understand the problem with the game that we're trying to report. I mean, I actually know a few people who have acted uh, as GMs in World of Warcraft, and essentially what generally is, um, imagine your interface as a as a desktop with chat windows, with IM windows up on it, okay? First off, GMs, in most cases, do not have access to the game. They don't go in-game. They have access to logs. They have access to text, and that's pretty much it. Their UI is fairly basic. So, basically, each chat window is a GM conversation. Now, their GM department is huge. Um... I would not be surprised if, of their entire World of Warcraft team, half of them were, um, uh, sorry, were, how can I put it? GMs. Yeah, basically the GM department, support staff, supervisors, you know, basically all the levels of GM um, that they have, essentially. That is, would not surprise me if that was half of their, half their Warcraft team. So, of their Warcraft team, which is in itself massive, um, it's not too much, I think, to expect that there's a lot of people working on the GM team, but there's also probably millions of tickets that come in. Um, or, at the very least, hundreds of thousands, if I was to guess. Now, 
yes, a GM is expected to probably have five to ten conversations going at once. But there's still a lot of research and hopping back and forth between tools and so on. So um, I can definitely see it as quite likely that we would um, we would continue to have a very long queue line. But you're on the point in the chat points out most of those millions of tickets are over dumb stuff. Yes, but it's still stuff that people feel they need to report, and Blizzard needs to action those or at least react to those in a significant fashion. Now, if it's... I kind of wish Blizzard had a, a system that could go through a t the t contents of a ticket and look for keywords. Um, swore, uh, harass, um, item, uh, loot, master looter, raid, ninja. I mean, Illegal keywords. name. Yeah, like well, actually, I, I wonder whether there is already something like that in place that we just don't know about. Because I know that I'm on the Twitter feed for Warcraft, and they, they or Blizzard CS, I should say, customer service. And they pop up every so often and say, oh, okay, the, the current uh, wait time or the current average wait time for a ticket is X number of hours, or in some cases, it was X number of days just after Cataclysm. Now, I know that I did submit a ticket for an actual bug in game. It was in um, Mount Hygel. And I mined a piece of uh, ore, and as soon as I mined the piece of ore, I promptly fell through a hole in the world <laughs> and actually just disappeared beneath the game world, and I could see it all above me, and of course, I ended up dying. And So I submitted a ticket, and uh, it was actually replied to, you know, I said, there's a bug, I've found a hole in the world at these coordinates, and then I got a reply in about 10 minutes. So I'm wondering whether there is a um, some sort of filtering system that prioritizes them and then they can review them and say all right well this person has just plugged in the keywords to get a quick answer like a person queuing for dps as a tank um and then they uh, sort of prioritize them again afterwards that way because I, I know that that average time is exactly that it's an average time some people have complained oh my ticket wasn't answered for two days and they said the average time was a day and that sort of thing <laughs> Um, you are in the chat room says, if you want a quick answer to your, to your ticket, and it works for me, begin with, dear Blizzard, why do you hate me? I would suspect, much like the forums, <laughs> that, that, that method would likely get you ignored. But that's just me. Don't feed the well, trolls, Mon. Indeed. I know I've, I've gone on, all for people who are RP violations, RP name violations, I'm on an RP PVP realm. Usually I'll let it go, but if they're up to something else like s spamming certain links, linked items, or linking an ability with a couple of choice keywords, I'll usually just go ahead and file the ticket and say they're spamming and their name is a name violation. Can you please take care of it? Yeah. I, I suspect RP violations probably bottom of the list. If you get an answer within the first month, you're you're lucky. <laughs> and that's not to say but, that Blizzard doesn't care about RP, RP violations. They're just not a priority. But like you said, combining them with other issues such as spamming or um, uh, harassment or other things like that would, would get that all attended to at once. And those, those kind of things tend to go hand in hand. Generally. I mean, I would definitely consider uh, I Am Goblin as a name. Probably not um, 
good, and probably somebody who's going to harass me or be a complete jerk. But that's just my thought. Yeah, I think with regards to that uh, that idea, uh, I'm sure there are because I'm not a uh, uh, IT person, but just with everything that is available uh, commercially uh, for even the personal computer, a company like Blizzard, they've got to have some sort of you know, algorithm that will, will, will show them certain things that they can sort of filter through. Um, and then with regards to the uh, names and such, um, I, daily I see so many that are spelled just so that may slip through any, any sort of uh, automation. Um, but if a real GM looked at it, they would say, oh, goodness, we have to do something about this. This is why they, uh, their policy repl- um, relies on people reporting names because if they were just trying to scan them out of the database, you'd, you'd have to manually scan them to pick up those kind of um, those spelled differently but you know exactly what the word is kind of names. And the other ones where uh, they have the umlauts and the little slashes above the, the O's and all of that sort of rubbish. Yeah, unfortunately, names are a very difficult thing to try and and police because and, and honestly, can you spell a guy whose name has several ASCII characters? I can't. Um, I find it just irritates it. me because I find it just irritates <laughs> me because you're you're in a group with them and you try and type something to them and you can't because you can't find the keys on the keyboard. You know, having to go through the chat log and click on the name and all that thing. I saw a guy in in game yesterday whose um, name was Wargan. Obviously, he was a Wargan, but he had a little slash above the O and a, the dots above the E and something above something else. It just makes me uh, try hard. Play with uh, w- w- with someone who has an in-game NPC name that is exactly the same, except with just a little slash through the O. That must have been a hunter. Actually, it was uh, it's a war. Hey, 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 whoa, 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 whoa! Let's not say things we can't take back. <laughs> well, it is a it is a warlock, and uh, it is a uh, it's named after uh, something in real life that I know Blizz- I believe Blizzard uh, put into the game, uh, and everybody kind of knows it now since uh, Cataclysm came out. But yeah, that one little funny character, and uh, you have yourself a uh, a name there that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do that's just depressing i i i feel it's it's important to follow the the rules of the game which say no no sentences all you know basically a bunch of words all in a row to make up your name um i mean blizzard has rules rp realms have stricter rules and if you can't follow the rules of the game i'm sorry i'm going to report you that's just my opinion, though. It just and smacks from, me of laziness. Oh. I happen to agree. Part, I uh, hit that button, depending on how long I'm on in one session, uh, any any number of times, um, just because it. Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I think what it is is that it takes away, you know, from the enjoyment of the. You know, it's supposed to be the the general gaming uh, populations. Why those, or at least the reason why those terms of service are there. Yeah. I know I have two characters that have a special character in their name, but it's for a very good reason, and it it the way the character is pronounced makes the pronunciation of the name correct. 
like having a worgen druid named Romus with the umlaut O. Yeah. It actually makes me wonder how they handle this situation on the EU realms, uh, where they have language servers that actually have these characters in the languages. Can you, like... Okay, so you can you can do an you know an umlaut over the over a letter or something, because they can't really say you know what if you're German, your name might have an umlaut, um, or if you're French, you have the accents on your name. But what about like it, does it limit to only ones that actually have a letter in there, or can I put Medros trademark? <laughs> Will the game see that as an unallowed character, or Medros? I, I, I think I think that some of those particular characters would probably just not be able to be entered. Um, but I mean, I mean, if you were playing in a Scandinavian country and you had the O with the slash through it as part of you know, and that was part of the language, then I'm sure that that would be allowed. Um, I think it's I think it's the this is why they have to rely on people actually reporting the name because they can see oh well. This person, their actual real account name is, you know, Sven Olofsson, and he's named his character Olofsson with the O and the slash, so that's allowed. But another guy names his character Worgen with the slash through the Worgen, and clearly that's not his name, so that's disallowed. So that, that's why I think they have to go on the case-by-case basis. Trying to automate it would just, it would cost more and, take, and be more trouble than what it was worth just manually doing it. It, Blizzard has a, a large GM team. They try really hard to <clears throat> to manage things so that Blizzard, so the players can have a, a, a seamless and hopefully uh, problem free time. Um, it's not always possible, but it is hopefully going to be enough to um, to answer things as quickly as they can and not cause too too many problems. Uh, now, I, I'm just bringing onto the call here, uh, or into the group, uh, our moderator, Jen, uh, who has an interesting story about an encounter her and her husband had uh, on the Arch and Dawn server. Hey, Jen. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you fine. Awesome. Okay, so this is my little story. Some of you may have heard this before. Um, we were talking about uh, non-roleplay names <laughs> and connecting with spamming and that kind of thing, or at least you guys were just mentioning something on that. So let me tell you my little story. <laughs> I was um, on Argentan. I was playing my Death Knight gnome, and my husband was playing too. Sean was playing his hunter, a dwarf hunter. So obviously we were Alliance, and we had this undead character. Now his name was spelled O M G W T F R O L F or R O F L dyslexia. But you know what I'm saying. It was clearly not a role play name, you know, and. Um, so he started attacking us because he was playing an undead and we were, you know, alliance. And that was fine. He killed us a few times. And, you know, I mean, that's allowed. That's legal and all this stuff. But when we went to fight back, he'd somehow tricked the game into identifying his undead character as alliance. Like the name turned blue. And when we went to target him, it's, it had the uh, vocals pop up saying, I can't target that, that kind of thing. I have no idea how he managed to do that. And at the same time, he had somehow tricked his uh, yells to um, print out what was obviously a racial slur in it. So I reported him 
for spamming. I like clicked all of those little things and reported spamming. And then I opened up a ticket to Blizzard and I said, okay, so here's his name. It's not a role play name. Here's the racial slur he seems to be using somehow, which I'm offended by. And I've no idea how he managed to make his undead appear in game as Alliance. And I got an answer within a day, actually, from that. So that was a surprise. Now, was it the general, we understand the, of your issue, and we're looking into it, but we can't really tell you anything about it? Yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was. But it was an answer. And, I, um, I, under yeah. I understand that Blizzard can't tell people what their response is, but it's really annoying. It's incredibly annoying because I couldn't, like, go find out you know, is this character still in the game? Because if he was an Alliance character, I could probably put him on ignore and see if the name's still attached, you know, to something or if it said character's not in game anymore. But since it was an undead character, at least to start with, um, and the character physically stayed as an undead, it just identified in the game as Alliance somehow. Um, you know, I couldn't even use like the ignore thing to determine if the character was still in the game somewhere. Maybe I've seen this a lot on my server, actually, um, particularly in Wintergrass, where you get that big mix of uh, Alliance and Horde players. There's a whole bunch of people who have figured out the translation between either single words or two two letters or, or that sort of thing um, from Orcish to um, Common and back the other way. And so what they'll do is they'll they'll craft, usually with a macro, they'll craft a line of text that's gibberish in whatever language they are actually speaking in. But when it's translated through the random lettering translator, uh, it comes out as racial slurs or pwned you, pwned you, or whatever. And, uh, I mean, it immediately makes me think of, you know, 12-year-olds sort of giggling in their, in their basements. I know that's probably a stereotype, but it's, it's one of those things, yes, it should be reported because it is a break <laughs> of the terms of service. Um, but... Again, it's one of those things where you just have to report it on the fly because it's not the kind of thing that's going to pop up straight away. But it is, un it is common. I, I see it on my server all the time. Now, now, come on. Let, let's not be assuming that they're 12 girls in their basement. They might be 14. <laughs> and they might well, we be were living on, in an apartment. Uh, they might be in an apartment. That's a good one. We were on at like um, 2 in the morning server time, I think. So... Not sure if it was a 12-year-old. It was like a weekday. I guess that doesn't necessarily mean anything. But Hey, when I was in school, you should have seen the times I, I, I was often up well, well past midnight. Well, so was I, but I figure not everyone's going to be. But maybe the people that want to name their characters, you know, <laughs> like that one, maybe they are. Could I possibly be the um, uh, devil's advocate? Nope. Uh, pun because he's undead but mm -hmm. would it be a rp name and this is really just for humor if the player behind it was uh very high strung uh on a lot of uh stimulant medication perhaps <laughs> well potentially it wasn't really the name that was offending me so much it was the racial slur that was being thrown around and it just it got it got my Irish up, so to speak, because I couldn't hit him, and he kept killing us, and then he'd switch to Alliance, so I couldn't hit him. That's what really made me send hmm. in a ticket, actually. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, there are always going to be players like that, and I, we've, we've heard of uh, stories of people who sit there, and uh, they they change their name. You know, they have a name of that's bad, and, like, really bad. 
and then they'll change. They'll be reported, and the GM will ch- have them change it. But the GM won't monitor what it's changed to. They they're just told they have to change it. They have to go back to the login screen, and then prompted for a change. But nobody monitors to see whether the change is actually something they shouldn't actually be changing it to, like say adding a letter or taking a letter away or something stupid like that. Um, and unfortunately, I, I I don't know if there's any way for Blizzard to change that. Their GMs have too much to do. Um, they they have too many tickets to handle, and it's really really difficult for them to actually be able to to give the service they need and actually monitor for those kind of things. But I would think that after two name changes, Blizzard should have a system in place that they are that the name has to be approved, basically, or the name is reviewed after it's chosen to make sure it's actually going to be something. And then if after that they still change it to something they shouldn't, um, Blizzard should then automatically um, put in a, a suspension of uh, you know a seventy-two hour suspension or something. Like people are going to play that kind of game. I'm sorry, they should be punished. But that's just my opinion. So kind of like going back to the history of the of the account to see, oh, he's been suspended for gold selling this time, this time, this time, this time. And you know what? That account should just not ever come back again. Well, I'm, I'm saying like if if. OK, so let's let's just say Jen's troll here or undead, whatever he was. OMG, WTF, ROFL. So he changes it to WTF, LOL. And then it changes it again to WTF ROFL. And then he changes it to uh, OMG. And then the word that we aren't going to say on the show, but is really offensive, starting with an N. I'm, anybody can figure out what the word is. Now, basically, if he if he just change, it constantly changes it to words to to names that are unacceptable, then Blizzard needs a way or a policy, I think, in place to say. Okay, you've changed your name. You've been forced to change your name twice now, and you keep choosing names that are unacceptable. This is your warning that if you continue to make these changes and do not understand or do not hear the fact that these names are unacceptable, your next change is your last one before a suspension is in place, and then you have to change the name again. If you still change it to something that's unacceptable, then a further suspension and proceed to a to a ban. Because people who don't get the hint after two name changes that that's unacceptable clearly need further lessons. And the, le- the severity of the lessons need to, need to be more uh, in-depth than here, change your name. Here, change your name. Here, change your name. Here, change your name. I'm sorry, that's not right. There needs I've to be had, a progress. I know I've had friends who had questionable names that Blizzard decided, you know what, we're just going to change it for them. And the random name generator that Blizzard pulled on them was yet another name that two weeks later they got reported again for having a bad name. And at that point, the, the friend pointed out to Blizzard that they had, that Blizzard changed the, that to that name for them. They didn't make that choice. Yeah, uh, RZBG in the chat room says that Blizzard should make me a mod now. RZBG, as much as I love Blizzard, I'd love to work for them. It'd be a great job. A, I'm not going to move to Irvine, California. B, I don't want to lose. I don't want to give up my shows. And C, I don't think they want me working for them. 
Because honestly, they'd probably fire me fairly quickly because I'd give my opinion too much. Not, I'm a podcaster not after all. all. <laughs> Thanks, MacGyver. Thanks. Let's, uh, let, since we've already gone off on tangents and tangents and more tangents off the tangent, uh, let's go back onto track if we can. Uh, first, though, I do want to talk a bit about our one of our sponsors. Now, as I'm sure that some of you probably know by now, if you follow the shows on Twitter, the the Group Quest podcast is happy, very happy to bring us bring you a new sponsor. For you, the listeners, the Group Quest podcast is offering through Audible a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. Now, I have just recently signed up with Audible, but I've heard great things through other shows like the Twit Podcasts and, of course, through people that I know online. Now, Hasher, you're, you're a subscriber of Audible, right? Yes, I'm, I'm on the two books, um, two credits a month plan. So typically that equates to two books a month like for some of the larger ones, like the ones that need their own individual rollout cart to get through, like Anathem, it's actually two credits for the book. But most books are typically one credit. And when it works, when you work it out, it's, you're saving about half off what the price would have been had you gone out and gotten the actual discs. And the other... One of the other nice aspects is instead of just having it being a CD's worth of content, they'll actually roll up about five to six hours in one section, so you can just keep listening to that one section and not have to worry about, okay, is it almost the CD break time? Okay, I need to get out of my car and go to this other place. You can just have it ready and set to go. And I think I have like 39 days worth of content that I can listen to from that I've gotten from Audible. All right. Now, it is, you, you said you have the two book a month package, right? Correct. And do you feel that you you get through your two bucks a month or two, sorry, two books a month fairly quickly? Um, some months I will get stuck behind a really large book that's about 40 to 50 hours worth of content. And other months I'll, I'll pick some short, short form books that are only about 10 hours worth of content and zip through them in one week. It kind of depends on balancing a couple other streams of media, podcasts, uh, TV shows that I'm watching that'll determine whether or not I get a long form book or a short form. But there's lots of great authors and great narrators out there. I've gotten into the point of actually following certain narrators around outside of what I would typically listen to simply because I like how the narrator phrases things and makes sure that they understand what the author was trying to say before they read it. Okay. Now, you had a recommendation for us for audiobooks, didn't you? Uh, yes. I, I recommend, personally, Ender's Game. It's a full full cast production, three or four different narrators that they have for the different characters. And it's, I believe, 20 hours that it tells a really good sci-fi story. It's, a, it's on the elementary, school, elementary to middle school reading list. Yet even as an adult, I go back and listen to it because it's a wonderful story. And it sets up the enti an entire framework for a nine book series 
uh, nine book double series that you can listen to or read through. Yeah, it's, it's actually a 12 hour book, uh, 11 hours and five minutes to be exact. Um, and uh, it's the 20th anniversary edition. Uh, let's uh, let's listen to a bit of a, uh, a sample of that uh, of that book right now. Suddenly, a pain stabbed through him like a needle from his neck to his groin. Ender felt his back spasm and his body arched violently backward. His head struck the bed. He could feel his legs thrashing and his hands were clenching each other, wringing each other so tightly that they arched. Dee Dee, shouted the doctor. I need you. The nurse ran in, gasped. Got to relax these muscles. Get it to me, now. What are you waiting for? Something changed hands. Ender could not see. He lurched to one side and fell off the examining table. Catch him, cried the nurse. Just hold him steady. You you hold him, doctor. He's too strong for me. Not the whole thing. You'll stop his heart. Ender felt a needle enter his back just above the neck of his shirt. It burned. But wherever in him the fire spread, his muscles gradually unclenched. Very awesome reading there. Um, and th as you said, this this particular book has uh, several different uh, narrators, uh, including Harlan Ellison. Um, and uh, I, I would definitely say Ender's Game is one of the uh, top books uh, that, that you'll find, um, as any, fa any sci-fi or fantasy reader will recommend this series, uh, one of the most respected series of books. Um, and also, I believe Emma was uh, wanting to recommend uh, Wizard's First Rule, um, sort of truth, book one. Uh, this is actually the basis of the Legend of the Seeker TV series that uh, some folks may have uh, seen a, a little while ago. It's a, a thirty about a, just over a thirty-four hour um, audiobook. Uh, narrator um, is Sam Satsuvas, uh, and uh, let's listen to a sample of of that particular one, and uh, we'll see uh, see how that one sounds. magic. Richard was shocked at the way his father's small home had been torn apart, as if a storm had been turned loose inside. Only a few things were left untouched. The blue message jar still sat on the shelf, and inside he found the sprig of vine. It was still in his pocket now. What his father meant him to know from it, he couldn't guess. Grief and depression overwhelmed him, and even though he still had his brother, he felt abandoned. That he was grown into manhood offered him no sanctuary from the forlorn feeling of being orphaned and alone in the world, a feeling he had known before when he was young and his mother died. Even though his father had often been away, sometimes for weeks, Richard had always known he was somewhere and would be back. Now he would never be back. Michael wouldn't let him have anything to do with the search for the killer. He said he had the best trackers in the army looking, and he wanted Richard to stay out of it, for his own good. So Richard simply didn't show the vine to Michael, and went off alone every day, searching for the vine. For three weeks, he walked the trails of the Heartland Woods. Every trail. That's a sample of the book Wizard's First Rule, Sort of Truth series, 
book one. Uh, so definitely take that take a look. That's uh, written by Terry Goodkind, and of course, Ender's Game is is written by Orson Scott Card. And we do want you to check out Audible. It's audibletrial.com/azroth. That's audibletrial.com/azroth to get your free book that you get to keep either way, be it one of the ones we mentioned or any of the other books they have to choose from. Let us know what you choose or what you recommend, because I'm currently trying to narrow down what I should get first out of the over 85,000 audiobooks over on Audible, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to continue through with it because I'm just hearing some really great things about Audible. So definitely check that check that out. Definitely go there and let them know that you heard about them through All Things Azeroth and the Group Quest podcast. Um, you can also find a link to that over on our website at groupquest.com. Or sorry, thegroupquest.com. All right, so let's get on with our next news story here, since we spent about half an hour on the first one. Is, do we have anybody who's the exalted here? No, yes not. and no and yes. Yes and no. Okay. Um, Definitely no, but uh, I certainly have something to say about that. All right, well, the first thing I want to get your guys' opinions on, do you think they changed this because they hadn't informed people ahead of time? Or do you think they changed this because they felt that it was correct that Blizzard should not have changed this without, uh, like, basically without th- giving some good thought to it? Because, I mean, Blizzard has had this title in for a while, and I understand they wanted to make it so that it was going to be very hard to get. But I, I'm not sure that I can see the point of making it so... I mean, every other title is... Um, is grandfathered in. You get your Iron Band Proto Drake, and just if they take that out, it doesn't mean you're going to lose that Drake. Um, Kingslayer, if they take out the Kingslayer achievement, doesn't mean they're going. Everybody with Kingslayer is going to lose that. Um, what do you guys think about the fact that they first changed, made the change originally? Well, the the change being going, upping the requirement for the. For the title, The Exalted, from 40 reputations to 50 reputations. And then the change back being, oh, uh, yeah, we didn't tell you about that. And based on all the forum threads and firebombing we've been receiving, we're going to go ahead and change that back. But personally, I'm one of those achievement junkies. So it was something that I did, and I enjoyed it, and it was fun to do. But once I found out about it, it's like, well, that's kind of annoying. And Blizzard, you really shouldn't have done that without telling us first. But it really didn't matter because I was only about two more reputations away from getting it at the 50 level. The other aspect to consider is they've already had, they've already set precedent for this in terms of changing the underlying requirements for a title or an achievement. And then, and then once that, and that, but grandfathering people in who got it in the old version. My example would be Loremaster in the old version, where you have had to get six or seven hundred quests, just unnamed, in Eastern Kingdom and Kalimdor. Whereas now you, you have a specific number of quests for each zone, and I understand that they're the way they did it with that was they had sub achievements and they had already granted you those but personally i mean i understand that it's kind of a a lame move to pull that kind of trick and not really announce it to anybody but at the same time it's 
it's affecting such a small portion of the player base, yet apparently it caused so much of an issue and caused so many civility issues that Blizzard realized, oh, well, next, what we learn from this is before we make a change to something that people may have achieved already, we need to make sure that people are aware of it well in advance of the patch. I just can't understand why they why they just made this change without... I mean, I have the Explorer title on my main. And when Cataclysm came out, obviously I hadn't explored everywhere because there were new Cataclysm zones. And yet I was able to keep that title uh, because it said, oh yeah, you've explored all of these zones. And in fact, when I first logged in, I immediately got the achievement that said, you've explored all the Cataclysm zones, even though I hadn't gone there. Um, I don't understand why they would suddenly change this sort of approach that they've always had where people who already have the title, they get to keep it. But if you then want to achieve it afterwards, that you then have to do it the new hard way. Um, I just don't understand why they would have made that change. So with such a cutoff and it's just such a change of attitude. I would agree that the outcry was probably a little much uh, gaming community wise. But for myself, I don't have that particular uh, that particular title. Um, I've only probably begun to become the achievement junkie myself, maybe within the last six months or so. But it's that that that's a uh, that's for me. Um, all 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 of those titles and achievements, and there's very little. I, I think I, I know there. Are, when you get a mount and certain kinds of bonuses, and you get all the when you get all these achievements, but gameplay-wise and game mechanics-wise, um, if you have all of these reputations that you have brought to Exalted, and that opens up different things for you with each of those different factions, that doesn't change whether you have the title or not. That is something. Um, for the player to you know for for the player's own satisfaction so just to say well we're going to take something that you worked really hard at earning um that really no effect on um gameplay as i have your own satisfaction personal pride in your character and then say well you know what uh, not so much that's gone i just think that was you know a little stinky no, I, I know personally I know personally I spent probably about a hundred hours in Dire Mall grinding the silly uh, Shendralar totem tomes because I was wanting to do Insane in the Membrane achievement. And when I found out that, oh yeah, we're taking that reputa- we're taking that faction away and yeah, that's not going to be required for the Insane in the Membrane achievement. It was kind of like... Well, Blizzard, I'm only short one reputation. You can't convert the Chandralar rep into a feat of strength as one of those things that you could only do for a certain period. Or someone who did the, uh, was it, the the uh, Wrathgate event, how now that, uh, now that Cataclysm has happened, you can no longer do the Wrathgate events. I think that Blizzard... Um... I think originally Blizzard should not have changed the the um, the achievement. I think that was a mistake. I think they may realize their mistake now, and I do hope that Blizzard will continue to fix those issues as they are able to, because I don't think it's acceptable 
to just all of a sudden decide to change somebody's um, titles. Um, I understand why they thought to do it because they don't, it's an awesome title and it's not going to make you um, of you know uh, of the master exalted or or the illustrious exalted the the exalted. I mean, there's no real add-on title you can give, but maybe they could put a mount or something at 50 or some, I mean, there's a lot of things they could do to make that 50 achievement worth getting without cheapening the 40 that people already had. But yeah, the whole, uh, the whole reward inflation aspect is another one of the reasons that I was kind of like, well, I, I could point on that. Because if you're out there doing every single thing, I mean, I counted, I think I have like 30 or 40 different prefix or postfix titles on my main character. And that's because I go out and figure out, okay, there's the holiday events, there's this, there's this, there's this. There's all of the different achievements out there to go do. And, it, and I can see where Blizzard wants to try to limit the amount of people who get it or the amount of different titles and whatnot that are out there that they have to keep up and maintain on their side. But what would that even be? Um, how, how does that even, forgive me, work that uh, you're maintaining things on their side uh, that with things that are just a name for a character or a place that a character has reached and uh, doesn't have to, I mean, Blizzard doesn't have to keep track of, um, I don't know, are we going to give this particular character for this certain title many, many uh, different uh, mounts or vanity pets or anything like that? Isn't it just all, yay, I did it, a title, and now you have one more achievement point in your uh, in your One column? more achievement point, and it has to store that you have access to that specific title to display and all that jet all the extra add-on components that go into that to that data packet that has to go across Blizzard's network so that other people can see what title you're displaying, if you have a non-combat pet out, what, what special auras you're putting out there, and whatnot. Gotcha. All right. Well, I mean, Blizzard has reversed this, and I think in the future they will be very clear when they plan to make a change like that. Um, and I honestly question strongly Blizzard's repeated statement of, oh, we didn't know that was coming. I'm sorry, but nothing should make into a patch that hasn't been in testing for a while. Um, and before it goes live, somebody in the community management community team should know about it so they can post about it. Um, I understand that that content is ever changing. I understand that Blizzard has to do what they have to do to ensure the stability of the game, but there have been a lot of features that have been pushed live without any advance notice that really I don't think should have been pushed live. And hopefully Blizzard will begin to realize with this change that they maybe need to think about the processes they go through when um, deciding whether content should be live or not. But that's just my opinion. Well, and the whole daily hotfixes uh, announcements we get that 
They're trying to figure out, okay, is this hotfix ready to go? Is this hotfix on the realms yet? Okay, we can go ahead and tell people, but tell them it's not going to be on until the servers reboot the next time. I mean, it's great to know all these changes that they're discovering and they're fixing prior to a significant patch, a significant bug fix patch. But at the same time, it seems like they're running around a lot more doing internal communications rather than having each department report what they're what they would like to put into the next hot hot fix. You know, hot fixes are 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 hot fixes are important, no doubt about it. I mean, they keep the game stable. They fix problems that need to be fixed. Um, but there's been stuff that's been made it has been put into a patch quote at the last minute. Um, and definitely needs to be stuff that they're really testing and know, you know, it only takes five minutes to write up a post for the forums. I know, I do it enough. I don't see why Blizzard can't do the same thing. Spend five minutes to write up a post. I mean, it's going to take longer than that to copy the code into or, you know, compile the code into the game or into a patch format. So spend five minutes, get your post written so that once that change once that content is there you know and the community knows that's just my opinion and i i happen to agree because with the nigh instantaneous explosion on the battle.net forums about this um it would just seem that if you take that five minutes like you said medros put out a little thing say hey guys this is what's coming uh, you've saved yourself days and days of work and trying to just calm everything down and settle things and make decisions. What should we do? Should we put it back in? Should we keep it out? Uh, so I, I, I agree. I mean, there's enough uh, f- feedback, quote-unquote, that goes to Blizzard um, that is, uh, I mean, uh, so much of it's negative that, that, that you read and just kind of gloss over. But um, when there's a, you know, a legitimate issue, they didn't, it boggles my mind that they didn't think that anyone would be bothered by this. Uh, I think they're just going to save themselves a lot of a lot of headaches, a lot of work, and maybe even a lot of overtime. It, it's about people's attitudes, and the problem is that when something like this happens, you erode a little bit of the goodwill that people have towards the Blizzard community team, and so. You know, you'll you always have people. Oh, you know, the Blizzard community team—they do this and that. And they don't care. And gross caller won't give me my moose and all that sort of thing. But then you have other people saying, "Well, no. You know, look, they're doing a hard job. They're doing it the best that they can." And when this sort of thing happens, where the response is basically, "Well, we've changed it, so that's just how it is." And then a few days later, they say, "All right, well, look, we're changing it back." It it erodes people's goodwill towards them, I think. And so they they need to work to build that back up. All right. Um, so let's uh, let's move on to another topic here, uh, and I think this is uh, a pretty important one. Any herbalists in the uh, in the group today? I'm leveling no. an herbalist up. No, but I needed one really badly earlier. <laughs> My wife's priest and herbalist, but uh, or herbalist, I should say. Oh God, now you got me saying it. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. I curse you. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's she's a herbalist, but um, hasn't quite made it to five twenty five yet. All right, and uh, has she has she noticed an a, a, a increase in herb spawns? 
No, actually, I think she was complaining not too long ago about the distinct lack of herb spawns. Um, we have gone right through Hygel. Um, we're on our way through Deep Holm now. Uh, and I, I've got to say that I'm, my, um, my main is a miner, and I tend to find, at least in Deep Holm, that I could do a, a two-minute circuit and, and have stacks and stacks and stacks of Elementium. But she was struggling to find herbs randomly spawning pretty much anywhere. Mm. Um, and I'm not sure whether this has changed recently, whether they've, I've, I missed that, that they, they say that they've upped the spawn rates, but she hasn't played, uh, for a couple of days. So I don't think she's particularly noticed, but, okay. uh, well, if you, if you look at the post in the, uh, in the, in the notes here that I, that we have, um, it's a, it's a post, it's a, the, the first image we see is a, uh, a graph from, um, I believe it's the undermine journal. And it shows as of patch day, um, basically when patch, the patch went live, right after that long line of nothing, which means the patch, servers were down, that the herb spawn rates went significantly higher. And I can attest, I, I was able to get about 150 whip, uh, sorry, or heart blossom in a couple of rounds around Deep Home. Uh, that's the, the herb that spawns only in Deep Home. Um, when I went to, uh, Uldum, uh, one or two laps up and down the lake, and this is with about 10 other herbalists, um, flying, and especially including some druids, which, come on guys, I should be the only druid there, just go somewhere else, you don't need these herbs, thanks, come again. You druids and your flight farm herbing. <laughs> I do I, love I can't it. I can actually say I've just had a quick word to a muted uh, while you were speaking about that, and she said she did notice that the last time she was logged in a couple of days ago, the herb spawn rates did seem to have gone up. So, yeah, it's it's been confirmed. Well, I, I can definitely confirm it as well myself. Uh, I've definitely seen a, a large increase in herbs, um, and sadly, I think the patch did break something. As a miner, uh, you said that you're a miner, MacGyver. Um, there, yes. Okay, in Uldum, there are two. There was two spots before the patch that, at the exact same moment, four spawns would spawn in the within your mini map spot, like basically in, in mm. the same mini map. That is now, unfortunately, apparently, I haven't been back since the day after the patch, so it may have just been a a timing thing or something, but it appears that is gone. Um, I. I noticed the same thing in Deep Holm where um, I would have Elementium. So I'm, and I, I'm not sure whether this was due to the phasing mechanism or not, but I tended to find that I would mine a node and then I would turn away and mount up and go to fly off and it respawned in the time that I'd stood there and mounted up. And so, of course, you turn around and you mine it again and then it wouldn't come back straight away. But two, two minutes later, you'd do a circuit of the, uh, the Temple of Earth there and that that was my mining circuit. I'd just do a circle around the Temple of Earth and you'd have a stack of ore. And yeah. it would respawn in the time that it took to go around. So I'm not sure whether this is going... I'm hoping that this isn't going to be nerfed because I'm really loving the uh, the spawn rates on the ore at the moment. Yeah, um, I actually did find in uh, in Deep Home there was a spot. Um, I believe it was in the north... north uh, northwest, I believe... Uh, by where you do the drag, summon the dragon by hitting the the crystal thing. Near yep. there, there's a, a four spawn as well, where they all spawn at the exact same moment. Four spawns within within your mini map area, um, 
And before the patch, when I was in Uldum, um, people in my guild would be like, oh, you hit the jackpot. I'm like, no, no. I'm just going back and forth between these two spots that I know these four spawn. <laughs> um, and, like, literally, um, the first one is, uh, you know, you know, okay, you know that, that where the, the guys are, we got, they have to fire the cannon at them um, from, and uh, you're firing the, the mechanism to, catapult type thing at the guys that yes. thing near the south tip of the rocks that you know it's kind of like a triangle on its tip um it the south end of that just go straight west from there is where, where the first one spawns the second one spawns near the uh northern northeastern tip of that triangle so right. basically, you fly between, you know, fly, fly mine one, fly to the next, and by the time you get there, you wait about a minute, and the next ones would spawn. So basically, I'd be flying back and forth, doing these, and uh, I'd come out of there with like three hundred elementary more. No, I, I was finding, no I was finding the same thing. I was finding the same thing. What I what I tended to find also is that depending on what phase you were in in Deepholm, and I don't know whether this is the case in other zones as well, I, I didn't find it in Hygel, was that the spawns of ore tended to depend on which phase you were in. What I found was that yes. doing, the first, doing the first part of the, um, the world pillar, uh, obviously there was lots of obsidian spawning, which was great because that was the level that I was mining at. And then when we moved on to the second part of the pillar, uh, all I could find was elementium. I couldn't actually find any obsidium. And now that I've phased into the third part where uh, we're starting to build up with therazine, it's gone back to obsidium. And I'm sort of getting a mix of obsidium and elementium. But, but for that time when I was doing the second piece of the world pillar, all I could find was elementium. And I'm not sure whether this is a bug or, well, my guess is it would have to be a bug. But whether they're going to bother fixing it or not is another matter, I guess. Yeah, I, I remember in my first um, when I when my first attempt through Deep Pool on Medros, my main character. I mentioned this on All Things Azeroth. There was two nodes. I would fly to one because I'd see it. It would phase out, but then another one would pop up. So I'd fly to the other one, but it would phase out. But the one I was I, I just flown away from would pop back up. And I'd go back and forth for about a minute. I, I, I didn't want to drive myself th too crazy. But I, because sometimes you, if you race to it, you can just get it so that you're finished mining it just before it phases out and still get the ore. Um, I've actually had that happen a couple of times where I'd, it ended up getting to the point where doing my circuit around uh, Deep Holm, around the Temple of Earth, they're mining Elementium. I learned which nodes were actually going to phase out on me and so I'd just ignore them and fly yeah. straight over the top of them and I also uh, one time found that when I, I came down and found a node that phased out but I got to it in time to mine it and I got the skill but I didn't get the ore which was irritating because it phased out in, in the middle of mining but I, I don't ex I think this is just probably one of those drawbacks with the um, the phasing system and it's probably not something they're going to fix at this point I, I think it was probably happening before, but being that the phasing wasn't used to such a great extent, I'm thinking particularly places like Ice Crown, um, this thing came up a couple of times with me, but it was so rare that it, it hardly mattered because the amount of phasing was a lot less. 
Yeah, I mean, Wrathlichkin definitely had a fair bit of phasing. Um, the Wrath Wrathgate when when you were just far like you get you could get just far enough out that you would see you know Horde and Alliance characters fighting with with on the undead. But then you'd move two steps forwards, and then you'd see the post Wrathgate one, where everything's on fire and there's oh, the screaming, <laughs> the screaming. Every time you yes. fly past that on a flight point, ah, ah, oh, I, 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 I joked in Guild back then when I, you know, after a few times where I'd flown over with sound on, um, I was like, so Alexstrasza. And her dragons came in and killed everybody who had been plagued, but they didn't put the people that are screaming their heads for three years out of their misery. <laughs> Why again? I thought they're very benevolent beings. Should they just put them out of their misery? Because I'm getting tired of the screams. Really, uh, the, the minds of dragons work in strange ways. I think we're probably just better off killing them. To quote a great podcaster. Indeed. <laughs> yes, I just said it. Can I tell you, uh, with regards to the ore and showing up and suddenly it's not there, um, I will admit that uh, for a, a good few times before it occurred to me that there may be something uh, kind of buggy about it with the code, that I looked, I, I moved my camera and looked up in the air to say, well, did I just miss somebody grabbing this or there's some alliance coming after me <laughs> and uh, and then i of course smartened up and figured it out but it took me a minute but it was pretty funny yeah i've, I've seen a few people who uh who've complained that uh, there might be a bug where um a player from a different phase can see you but you can't see them and they can attack you on a pvp server um, there's a couple of places apparently where this is a problem because I've heard about I've heard people talking about this in uh, in game. Now I've not seen it because I'm not on a PvP server, but uh, and neither am I. Um, but apparently, yeah, uh, there are some phases where you can be seen but cannot see the other person, and that person can apparently attack you. I again, I'm not seeing any, any confirmation of this. Um, I'm not seeing Blizzard acknowledge this, but uh, if so, that's a pretty big a pretty big problem, I think. I could see where that would happen. Um, if you are on the boundary of a phased area and one person is in the phased area and the other person is not, for example, if they were a hunter and you could see that person inside the phased area but they couldn't see you, then they could send that, well, maybe not send their pet in, but they'd definitely be able to shoot you. Yeah. Uh, Eeyore in the chat room does, uh, does confirm they exist. Again, I have not seen Blizzard uh, mention this, but... Uh... Um, yeah, that's a pretty big problem for people on a PvP server. I can definitely see that being a big issue. Now, uh, before we do continue on, um, before we do continue on, uh, with, the, with this little bit, I just want to talk about our other sponsor. Uh, this podcast is sponsored by Doghouse Systems, computers that you know are going to last you a long time. Visit them at doghousesystems.com for great desktop and laptop computers for gamers starting at $1,200. When you buy a new computer and use the code Azeroth, you'll even get a code for $25 towards some great Jinx apparel. Upgrade your year today at doghousesystems.com and let them know you heard about them from all things Azeroth and GroupQuest. 
All right. Uh, so the other story connected at least to that, uh, or a couple more stories regarding professions that I want to talk a little bit about, is that uh, the Living Elements Alchemy Transmute has changed a bit. Um, now, apparently the only change was when you are a transmute specialized alchemist, not, not, nobody else has that problem, has this problem, but uh, um, the, the change is the following, uh, that when you get your proc, it's not, you'll occasionally get 13 to 16 extra, um, now it is every time you'll get four or five, I think three, three to five, I believe is the number I saw. Um, so that you're not, you're not getting as many, but you're getting them more frequently. What do you guys think about that? Well, anything, I think that if it's an issue of, um, frequency or amount, uh, I think that, uh, with so much of this game, uh, being, um, instant gratification, uh, based with, you do a quest, you get a reward, you get money, you get, uh, with getting the, um, the time down that you can do more, not necessarily get more, um, certainly I think would appeal from a player standpoint. I don't particularly have um, this profession, but uh, in my reading, this was kind of the, uh, uh, this is how it hit me. Well, I, I know that a couple of guildies were talking about it, and I, I don't think enough people actually did the transmutes on both the non-specialized and specialized versions to be able to say with certainty yes or no, figure out what that rate is, and then figure out what the new rate is to determine at what point would you break even on the fully fully non-procable versus the procs of a great amount. Well, it's not really a proc anymore, though, is it? Because it's, it's not a, a random it's element. It's a guaranteed it's a guarantee, uh, yeah. bonus amount, as opposed yeah. to a very very double or triple amount of proc. And I guess that's one of the things about alchemy. It always had that proc ability on flasks and potions, but now they've taken it away for transmute spec people. So all they have left is, yeah, you're going to get this, you're going to do your transmute, but we're going to also give you a little bit of extra on the side guaranteed. It kind of takes some of the randomness out of the equation, which is why I think some alchemists like to do it because they like potentially getting a two or three proc of something and then being able to use that a lot better. I'm curious to know whether any of the other professions that uh, have bonuses that proc will be changed as well. Um, I'm trying to think specifically of some examples at the moment. Perhaps jewel crafting is probably the one that springs to mind the, f the first. No, jewel, jewel crafting doesn't have a proc up ability. The, the only thing they have is the uh, fire prism, and that's a once a day you get some gems. Uh, there's, I, 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 I don't know if there's any way they could really make a change like that. I mean, they don't have an epic at this point in that, so if they had an epic, maybe they could change the frequency of the epic gems appearing, um, but not really going to be something they can change at this point. Um, it's always going to give you blue gems. It's just which gems you get, which gems and how many it gives you. That's the big, you know, big decider on that fact. 
well, I haven't leveled anything besides engineering and mining since Cataclysm. And I know that engineering has, oh, I don't know if you call it a proc, but you have a random chance of um, learning a new schematic whenever you build something, uh, particularly if it's a um, like a, a, a green or above item that you're learning. Um, and it's a little bit frustrating because there's particular recipes that you really want to know, but you can't learn them any other way other than waiting for the proc to drop. <laughs> I was but very I lucky know... that, uh, that the Tazic Shocker, which I attached to my gloves, appeared almost immediately, which was nice, and I really didn't care too much about the rest of them. I know for Jewel Crafters, because I'm leveling one up, a lot of the fill-in recipes that you would need in order to be able to create a lot of the cuts you'd want for gems outside of the basic red gems that you're going to be giving everybody that you have to kill mobs out in the world in order to pick up the recipe and personally it's a great difference compared as to Lich King where you could pretty much go to the vendor and choose okay I want this recipe this recipe this recipe or go to the trainer themselves and have a pretty decent selection of fruit of blue quality gem recipes. But uh, the other uh, the other thing I want to talk about, uh, or at least mention, uh, is that Blizzard has uh, given players who uh, are inscriptionists or scribes, as I call them, uh, the best news I, I've heard since Cataclysm launched. They have brought the ink traders from Dalaran and put them in Stormwind and Orgrimmar. Unfortunately, they don't accept the old uh, ink of the sea, the old uh, icy ink or whatever it was, the common Northrend ink anymore for anything. Well, they, they when Cataclysm launched, that, it, that changed as well. Uh, when Cataclysm launched, they started accepting Black Fallow instead of the... Uh, Actually, you know, before Cataclysm launched, it was, I believe, in the 4.0.3a patch. Uh, they started asking for Black Fallow ink instead of the Ink of the Sea. Well, personally, it kind of seems like, I mean, I know I have 300-some-odd Ink of the Seas on my Inscriptionist because I'm working on creating the Northrend Dark Moon decks simply because I know that I can get, I can go ahead and turn those into the fair to accomplish my insane achievement. Whereas having to go out and farm the Cataclysm herbs and go in and turn those around into the to the Northrend inscription, the Northrend Darkmoon decks, which if I recall is a significant amount of herbs and the life, which means I'll need to stockpile basically an entirely new set of things for a recipe that before I could go and farm the Northrend herbs and be able to turn those in for the for that level achievement. It really goes to um, what they're trying to do in Cataclysm is moving people away from uh, leveling up in, I mean, they, they changed the leveling criteria where you would get reduced XP above level 80 in Northrend and it's the kind of thing that, so, kind of the same thing, they're trying to get people out of those areas and into the, the new Cataclysm zones and back into the cities and this just kind of goes towards that policy I reckon. Yeah, um, and and on the on the topic, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people who left their uh, the scribes in uh, in Dalaran to take advantage of this change, or uh, take advantage of the ink trader while they were only there. Um, and Blizzard actually also in four point zero point six added in 
um, a one-time only quest that will give you a port to um, your, you know, basically Stormwood or Argamar, which is nice. Is that a one-time deal? Yeah, it's a it's one-time, a one-time only. quest. Right. Um, okay. it, it's much like the uh, the the quest at the innkeeper you could get at level sixty or sorry, yeah, seventy-four. I think it was uh, that would get you a portal to Dalaran. Yep. Okay. Um. So I, I mean, that's always it's always something to that that's it's good that Blizzard recognized that. I wish they put it in when Cataclysm hit, um, because. Maybe there would have been so many mages making a crap ton of gold. Um, you know, charging five to, to 100 gold per portal. Um, not a great way to earn yourself a good name on your server. And they have a mage, so, that's true. Su- supply and demand, really, isn't it? If, if the well, people supply, will buy it. demand, and reputation. Because if you are now known as the person who charges 100 gold for ports it's very unlikely that you're going to receive any support when you're trying to do the crucible of carnage. You're trying to prevent people from tagging the mobs you're working on. You're trying to get a group together to go do a raid for, for something. You're trying to do something in the world that depends on other people being at least civil to you. Yeah. Uh, Eor in the chat room says his port, his Amen. main ports for 50 gold. Um, I will pay a $5 tip. That's the most I'll ever pay for a portal. Um, because... Five gold, you mean? Sorry, yeah, five gold, sorry. Um, because... I'm sorry, how much does the reagent cost you? It doesn't cost you 50 gold. I won't pay that. Um, and, uh, anybody who demands more than that, they'll definitely not get my business. And, uh, that's just, uh... Yeah, that's just my there's my view on it because um, honestly, portals. I mean, that, that's like rogues who use who, who charge fifty gold to open a lockbox. You know, yes, it's a class skill, um, but it's not worth fifty gold. It, it's maybe maybe worth five gold. Um, you know, I, I know some people who used to charge a lot more. Now I can make skeleton keys. I have over 100 skeleton keys on my on my main, and I have no problem using those fighting too. It helps to keep it competitive. I know that um, as an engineer, I can use C4EM blast packs to open lock boxes and open doors and things as well. So it there, there's not one restriction for um, for one particular profession to be only able to do one thing that is fairly essential. Like opening lockboxes. Yeah. All right. Um, there's a couple more things I want to talk about. First off, anybody here planning to go to BlizzCon? Afraid oh, yes. not here. It's just just a couple of thousand miles too far away for me, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> I'll be there in spirit. Well, if if I end up going, MacGyver, the stream is yours. You can do the uh, the coverage for all things Azeroth. How's that sound? That sounds very dangerous, but uh, <laughs> I trust you. I'll have to think about it. <laughs> the, the 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 thing is, is I mean, I would love to go. Um, the cost is definitely an issue. It cost me about two thousand dollars Canadian um, with airfare, hotel, and other expenses. Because of course, I would need to eat. Um, that's a helpful thing that our bodies kind of like to do occasionally, and. Um, 
of course, I'd like to meet a lot of our listeners. Um, I'd like to have an event, uh, maybe a, a Sunday, you know, have lunch here or whatever kind of thing. Um, and I'd love to be able to meet some of the other podcasters out there. Um, there's a lot of people in the community that I've never met. Um, you know, I'd love, to, I'd love to meet Scott Johnson and Randy Jordan. Uh, I'd love to meet Terpster and Mike Schramm. Um, I'd love to meet some of my staff, Jen uh, and Sean. I'd love to meet Chris Blatt and Stormy. Um, Skolnick, if he was going. Um, Haster, if you were going, I'd love to meet you as well. I mean, there's a lot of people, a lot of listeners, a lot of staff, and a lot of people I know through WoW that I'd just love to meet. Yes, MacGyver, what a long, strange trip it's been. And I, I, I looked at it, and I, I priced it all out, and I worked it out that, yes, I could go, and yes, I, it would be interesting to go and see all the stuff, but for the price that it would cost me to do all that, I, I could stay at home, do several things that weekend that I typically do because that's my birthday weekend, and I'm not saying which day it is, but go do all, all those things sit and watch the live stream because it seemed to work out quite well this past year and just enjoy it and not have to wait in line after line after line but instead sit in my chair or sit sit on the couch and watch all this stuff and not have to worry about okay there's this line I could go to see this panel or I could stand in this other line to to play the new game I haven't um, been around very long myself, but I intend to go this year because this is probably only – I'm just getting into year three of World of Warcraft. Um, but I think it would be something that everybody should experience at least one time um, if, you've, you know, if you've gone and just like uh, you know, the Hassler had said it, you know, that, you know, the hassles and the lines and the expense and such. And But I want to go because – I don't know. Am I going to be able to go next year? I don't know. I know I can this year, so I'm going to do it because I want to do it at least once and uh, experience in person what I've seen on YouTube videos and such. Yeah, from from talking to people who've been to BlizzCon, um, it, it's it's a question of of beating the line boss. Uh, first, the line to get tickets, then the line to get your pass, then the line to get into the into the center day one, line to get into the center day two. Want to get into stores or, or or you know the stages and all that other stuff? There's lots of lines involved in BlizzCon. Listers crick your feet for over nine thousand. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, that's not the achievement for the event. <laughs> well, uh, did they did they give away a little pet this year? Uh, uh, yeah. Yes, the uh, was it oh, Deathy Murloc? Yeah, that was the Deathy Mur Deathy the Murloc. I got him confused with my collector's edition mini little Deathwing pet. I got far too many little mini dragons now. I'm having trouble picking them all apart. Uh, get the the pet was the Deathling, I think. Uh, mini the... Deathwing. Yeah. Oh, Deathy Deathy was the uh, the Murloc with the big iron jaw, wasn't it? Yes. Not not the little dragon. Right. That's okay. correct. That that's why I said Deathy the Murloc, not the dragon. Just incidentally, those those uh, <laughs> BlizzCon um, pets and uh, BlizzCon exclusives and things like that, because I play on an Oceanic server, they are actually really, really rare. It's very rare to see somebody on my server with any of those Blizz, BlizzCon items, um, just because people can't, well, obviously it's harder for them to get over there, but um, 
we also I know that there's the option of subscribing for the um, the live stream via some of the cable providers, and I, as far as I'm aware, we don't have that option over here either. So it's very very unusual to see somebody with those things, and so it's a real mark of honour in a lot of cases. You see somebody with it, and think, oh wow, you know they actually did get to go to BlizzCon. Well, I know a couple of years ago they actually. Besides DirecTV in the U.S., they, you, the Australian audience was the only other audience that could get um, a cable prov cable provider uh, stream of, of that. Um, everybody else had to go with the internet stream a couple of years ago. Um, perhaps this year was different, though. I didn't look into it extensively, um, as I don't actually have cable here. I just have free-to-wear on a TiVo box. But um, it would have been definitely something I would have been interested in if it had been more publicized, I think. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, I, I like I said, I would love to go. Um, there's a lot of stumbling blocks in the way, but uh, I, I'm definitely interested in going this year. Um, lastly, uh, what I want to talk about was the 20th anniversary of Blizzard. Now, this past November, we had the 15th anniversary of Warcraft. But what do you guys think of the fact that we now have? 20 years of Blizzard games. That's a long time for any game developer, isn't it? Well, there's been a lot of changes in that time. They've, they've gone from uh, rock and roll racing and, and Blackthorn and, and things like that to be one of the, and the Lost Vikings to be one of the, well, pretty much one of the biggest game developers in the world. And a lot has probably changed in that time, but it's very unusual to have the, the very... Um, very similar core development team that's going on. A lot of the guys that were there originally, it's still very much, and I think it injects their sort of DNA into the essence of the company where it's still the same company for them as it was back in the old days, even though things have scaled up and gotten a lot bigger and things may have become more corporatized, but at its core, they're still the same guys that were back then just wanting to make lots of games. And I don't know whether you'd find that in terribly many other developers that are around. What do you guys think about the fact that as the corporate corporation corporate entity that I guess is the head of Blizzard, which is Activision Blizzard, as they cut back on three games in development, and Blizzard still has the um, has the Titan project ongoing, what do you think it says about Blizzard that while Activision Blizzard is cutting, they're still allowing them to go forwards with a new development. Do you, guys, do you think that says a lot about how Blizzard designs and the quality of Blizzard's game and the return on, on investment, of course? Oh, absolutely. It, absolutely. It has, because uh, uh, I was actually reading the articles from the Wall Street Journal and such, and that um, I'm not a businessman, I'm a social worker. But uh, if you have, I don't want to dumb it down and say, uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But this is your money maker. This is where um, where the 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 evolution of what we want to do as a business is, and marshal the resources in that direction. And I think uh, I know that it's unfortunate for whoever will be losing their job on the you know the the, the corporate end. Um, but for you know, from a business standpoint, from the corporation's point of view, I think it's absolutely genius. I think it says a lot about the trust that Activision... Well, so when Activision and, and Blizzard, it was, more, it was more of a merge than a takeover in any case. And I think that Activision wanted to be very careful that they did not kill the golden goose 
you know, they were getting all of these fantastic eggs and they didn't want to try and break it apart and see how it was done. They just thought they'd let them do their magic and get on with what they needed to do. And they've, they've profited from that. And I think they want to be very careful. Uh, and they, they're giving them a lot of free hand um, when it comes to the development of their games because they know they've made a lot of winners before. And I'm sure that while they're keeping an eye on the bottom line, they still trust them to do a fairly good job. And that trust has been repaid in the past, so you've got to go on track record. And conversely, worse, the whereas Activision had some very direct and potentially better game competitors against their games that have ceased to be in active production and ceased to have been active games, WoW and Blizzard pretty much hold the the capstone in terms of what is going to be the game what is going to be the game to beat for the genre was going to be the game that all others are measured by we see that the entire craft series warcraft starcraft and well uh, there was another craft game i forget uh, diablo are all held up as keystones for what what you look for in a first person in 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 the d traditional dungeon crawl for Diablo, what is shown as the real-time strategy for StarCraft and Warcraft, and what's shown for an MMO in terms of World of Warcraft. And I don't think Activision would actually want to pit, to disthrone themselves from from that capstone and be able to have people's still come back knowing that they have currently the best idea out there. Okay. What do you, what do you guys think is the... I, I just want to get your, your thoughts. What is your favorite moment uh, from a Blizzard game? Ammon, how, how, how about you? My favorite moment... Um, well, I have a recent one. Uh, I my, my main is a Holy Paladin, and... Bringing up, it was uh, a struggle, and I have, I've, I've figured it out now. I'm very happy and doing very well. Uh, but my f favorite moment recently, uh, Guild and I were having no end of trouble in a heroic black rock, and I had just gotten um, one or two pieces of gear. I know I reforged them, looking at the theory, crafting, and trying to make sense of that. And at the last boss, uh, there was a. Uh, a feral druid who was drag, uh, kiting that one, uh, that one guy that you have to kite around and around and around. And he was taking a beating. And I would be healing, 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 healing. And I see that little blue bar getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And uh, I saw his green bar, his health bar, getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And I would just hit, okay, heal. What do I got? How much mana can I? Okay, I'll hit this one. Uh, word of glory, a little holy check. And... The uh, at the conclusion, the the druid who was kiting was probably I don't know he may have had a hundred hit points left uh, when the boss died, when the achievement blew up, and I had kept them alive. I was out of mana, but everybody was alive, and we got the achievement, and it was you know complete uh, complete nerd celebration followed. All right, and how about you, MacGyver? Uh, I have a couple, actually, as far as Blizzard's games go. Um, in terms of game story and, and gameplay and things like that, I'd have to say that um, 
the original StarCraft, the end of the original StarCraft, the end of that Protoss campaign where you came to the end of the game, um, just where you had the culmination of all of the story elements and you had the the, uh, the armies fighting on each side and it was just the, the sort of the culmination of all of that was just absolutely, at the time, was just absolutely epic and it was a real struggle and it was a really difficult place to get to in the game and, and just to finally beat that was just absolutely incredible. Um, that was, I just can't remember ever having felt much better about that. Um, the second would probably have been um, the Crusader Bread and Brad chain in um, Ice Crown was just I just thought was a real an amazing um, sort of it, it showed what you could do with storytelling in that sort of game um, and and not just that you had to go back to a couple of points and go to a couple of places in the same zone but you had to go to Alex Straza, you had to go to the Naru in Shatrath you had to go to all of these other places in the game that you had visited in the past and you were sort of going back to those places and, and you, were, you were doing absolutely everything you could to try and save this guy. And although in the end you couldn't, um, he ended up being uh, taken off by the Naru. And I just thought that was a fantastic piece of storytelling. And as, as far as personal achievement in game, um, this is actually a PvP uh, story. In Eye of the Storm, very rarely in PvP do I have those Zen moments where absolutely everything goes right and you're using everything in your toolbox and you're playing your class to your absolute maximum ability in PvP. And one time, this happened in Eye of the Storm and I was dropping frost traps and I was kiting and I was hitting people and I had three or four of them on me and as a hunter I had my pet running around and it was just the, the exhilaration from that is <laughs> I don't really think you can compare it to anything else. As soon as that sort of finished, I ended up finally being killed and sent back to the graveyard. I just thought, wow, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do that again, <laughs> which is a little bit sad. But that, that was probably the, um, the per my favorite personal achievement, although it seems to be fairly small in the grand scheme of things, just this one eye of the storm match. But it was, that, that was, it was, it was a very a zen moment is the best way I can describe it. All right, how about you, Haster? Well, as much as the in-game play, there are two cinematic moments which make the entire, the entire studio for me. The first is the end of the Zerg campaign in StarCraft Brood War, where we see Kerrigan assume the ascendancy of the Zerg. And just the whole cinematic is epic, and you see how she's gone from being what was thought to be a slightly underhanded human to becoming this really almost lich king of Warcraft replacement. And you, you make it almost makes you want to spend more time just in her storyline to find out more. And no, I haven't played StarCraft 2 yet, so I can't comment on that. The second is the uh, it's the Archimon event in Warcraft 3, where we find out just the actual destruction the Archimon rained down on Dalaran, and seeing him use that once once curse sigil to cause so much damage to the city, and then to later see that city somewhat restored and floating in the clouds, just. That entire cinematic was epic. 
at least in my opinion. Okay. Well, in, in tradition, uh, everybody else has done so far, so I'll, I'll do it as well. Uh, I actually have two as well. Um, the first one, um, the closing cinematic of Warcraft 3, where Malfurion signals the, uh, the Wisps as Archimonde reaches the World Tree, and they sacrifice themselves, and they, they, they damage the tree uh, of Nordrasil in order to destroy Archimonde. Um, and Medivh's monologue at the end of that was just absolutely amazing. Um, I was really, really impressed with the quality of, of writing, um, of the story, and it was, it was to me, just an awesome, um, an awesome bit of, of storytelling, and the only way that I could possibly end that, um, that, that story. Um, and the second came not a few days later, um, when I finished Warcraft three, uh, while taking a break from the beta for Warcraft world of Warcraft. Um, I had played most of it, but I hadn't really gotten to the end. Um, about two days after I finished Warcraft 3, I saw Blizzard release the cinematic for World of Warcraft, the opening, um, where, you know, you have the dwarf with the bear and the tauren with this huge totem. And seeing that after playing the beta, that just so got me into the whole feel of, uh, of the game. Uh, it really brought the game home and really got me pumped. Even after having played the beta for so long, it got me really, really pumped for playing World of Warcraft. I was really, really impressed and really excited after seeing that to go into, um, the, cat in into the World of Warcraft. And uh, my only regret from all of that was that I... I ended up rolling on a server that really did not suit me, and uh, I almost I came very close to quitting the game um, because I I really did not enjoy the game at that point. And uh, uh, some friends invited me over to their server, and I'm really happy that I made the move because I've been playing um, pretty much nonstop since then. So, um, really, really pleased with how how things went on that regard. Uh, so, Haster, I'm going to ask you, uh, please, do, do tell us uh, how we can reach you. Since we're gonna you can show find me on Twitter as Haster, H-A-S-T-E-U-R. You can find me at my short-form uh, comedy humor podcast at the Internet Humor and Mirth Show, T-I-H-M-S dot Squarespace dot com. Other than that, I'm pretty much Haster on every other social media you could think of. And I... And I am playing Words with Friends with a couple other people under that same name. All right. And, uh, Emil, how can we reach you? At the, let me make sure that my mute was correct there, <laughs> um, on Twitter at Emma with two M's, Nightfall on Twitter. 
All right. And do you have a website at all or? No, I don't. I'm in the process of, I just actually finished designing our guild's website. And uh, my been listening to uh, your podcasts and, and, and some of the others and really getting um, into the whole community uh, with, with the game and becoming more and more uh uh, fascinated and interested, um, and uh, the things such as uh, my my own website and my own blog, uh, specifically regarding holy paladins, um, I, I, I have definite plans for. I am inspired. Glad to hear it. And MacGyver. Okay, well, if anybody can be bothered following me on Twitter, because I don't have a huge amount to say, but if you do fancy following me, uh, that name is Groran, that's at G-R-O-R-I-N, and you can find me in-game on the Death Remar realm, which is Oceanic Alliance side as Groran, and my guild is Mortus Legio, and they are awesome. All right, and of course you can find me on Twitter as Medros, you can find me as the as the host of All Things Azeroth with my co-host Shade o, Shades O'Gray. Uh, we record Monday nights. And, uh, of course, you can find our website at thegroupquest.com. And you can also check out our moderator, Jen. She's the host of the Inside My Head podcast over on uh, over on the Phantom Power network. Uh, that's inside. Sorry, that's jen.phantompower.org. Uh, you can find her as the one of the hosts of the Halfway Around the World podcast, on our own Dawn Forge Productions, and you can find her on Twitter as Queen of Haiku. So let me just play this out, and uh, we will uh, see you next week for another Group Quest podcast. Thank you for listening to Group Quest. This is your announcer, David Grizzly Smith. We look forward to your comments at our website, thegroupquest.com. Theme music for the show is Intended Force from Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. This program is copyright 2009 through 2011 by Don Forge Productions and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 license. This has been a Dawn Forge production, copyright 2011. Find great podcasts and more at thedawnforge.com. The roots will heal in time, as will the entire world. The sacrifices have been made. Just as the orcs, humans, and night elves discarded their old hatreds and stood united against a common foe, so did nature herself rise up to banish the shadow forever. As for me, I came back to ensure that there would be a future, to teach the world that it no longer needed guardians. The hope for future generations has always resided in mortal hands. And now that my task is done, I will take my place amongst the legends of the past.